with that, I'm Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mencibo. <laughs> and together we are the Robots vs. Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> Dude, you... Uh, <laughs> I know you're joking, but I'm not quite sure if you're 100% joking. I know. I, I'm sorry about my voice. I feel like my voice is... Um, because I feel like I've been, uh, I had my nieces and nephews over, so I my voice is almost gone because I've been yelling <laughs> and screaming. <laughs> you said they were tweens, so you yeah. still have to you still have to yell and scream at them. Well, yeah, now it's more like yells and screams of like, yeah, because we play Super Smash Brothers, and like every time I um I win at Super Smash Brothers, uh, I rub it in their faces. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 no need to even go into it. Like I, yeah. I've been on the receiving end of that plenty of times. So it doesn't even matter like how old like if kids could be like five years old, and like if I win at like anything, like at like. You know, uh, uh, Connect Four, you know, a game of Scrabble, you know, shoots and ladders. I'll just get up in their face and just be like, see, yeah, what? I won in your face, Timmy. <laughs> Ooh, it burns, doesn't it? It oh. burns. It hurts. <laughs> Ether, you know, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> calling back early 2000s Nas. Um, but yeah. I um yeah I'm 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 a sore winner. Yes, so. you are. You really are. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh man. They're like, we this is why we don't come over as much. <laughs> and it's and it's always freezing in here. <laughs> I'll never forget when you told me that they that they said that because when you guys when it gets into like AC time or you know Whenever the need for cold temperatures arises, you guys go in hard. Dude, I'm a February baby, man. I love it cold. I love it ice, fr- like freezing cold. But you guys go like meat locker cold. Yeah. Like, like I make sure to layer up when I, uh, you know, back in the old days when I used to come over. Because um, like there was always the risk of hypothermia, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. I've uh, I haven't lost a toe yet, but you know, I've seen your lips turn blue. <laughs> and you know what? I'm fine with. I'm just like, yeah. Ernesto's a man. You know, he's a man. <laughs> tough it out. <laughs> so enough of this. Like it's cold. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, it's so chilly. You know. Come on now. Be a man. <laughs> All right, Mr. Sweat Your Balls Off. Yeah, that's true. Okay. It's like it's like you you put on a 60-watt bulb. You're like, Jesus Christ, what are you trying to do? Tan? What the <laughs> fuck, you know? Oh, man. Um, and that's 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 a good place to, to kick things <laughs> off. We're... Um, we're doing our long run running segment, of course, um, where we review movies and we're pitting them against each other. This week, we're having uh, two um, two. Mo- we're reviewing two movies, which have a lot to do with uh, uh, failure to report faulty property values and. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> it, it has to do with the, with problematic real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one corner, we have Peter Mendax, the Changeling, and in the other corner, we have James Wan's The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, which one do you want to go with first? This um, battle for for you know uh, mid to upper level uh, <laughs> class property. <laughs> let's uh, ownership. Let's t- Jesus, uh, let's tackle uh, the changeling first. Okay, uh, just because it was the um, the more inferior film of the two. What really? Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, I wanted to like it from the beginning because it had like that. You know, it was filmed in 1980, and it starred uh, none other than George C. Scott. You know, George C. Scott <laughs> as John Russell. So um, the walking hemorrhoid, George <laughs> Scott. If, if a hemorrhoidal tissue had a voice, it would sound like George C. Scott to me. Um, and I wanted to like this movie from the very beginning. Uh, I had that old 80s look um, and I thought, oh, this this is uh, this is going to be creepy. Um, but from the very beginning, I just thought to myself, oh, wow, this is just inappropriate. Um, the ridiculously young wife and kid. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll give it that. They didn't get, they don't get much screen time before they're fridged, right? And yeah. literally like they're. Wow. <laughs> I would have gone with smudged, but. Yeah, they got you know. smudged. <laughs> But, it's a tragedy. Uh, it's a tragedy. It, it's uh, a <clears throat> very tragedy. Thoughts and prayers. But it's yeah. uh, it was they were on screen, and I'm just like, this guy must be fucking loaded because this he has like this young hottie and this kid, and I'm just like, there's no way, there's no way he's keeping up and like laying the pipe on a regular schedule. But I digress. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's an opening scene. They're they're trying to push their Winnebago to the side of the road so that he can uh, go into the random phone booth on the side of the road and call AAA or whatever. And uh, he's in there and he slowly sees this truck and car starting to like careen toward each other. And he can see eventually that they're about to crash into his wife and kid who are um, playing in the snow, having a little snowball fight, singing a song. I think it's called "I Like Being Alive." Yes, I was just, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> how, you know, how do the lyrics to that song go? It's like "I like being alive." La 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 la. la. <laughs> That's one of my favorite songs to listen to when I see, like, when I when I see like characters in a movie and they look like they're about to bite it they always seem to be singing that song it's such a popular song it was uh it was the hit from like the late 70s all the way up until like today you know yeah it's just it's the favorite of people who really like to be alive and we're about to like experience like heart rendering heart-wrenching tragedy you know oh man um so he watches them in slow motion just bite it and uh, cut forward four months later and he's trying to restart his life. So he takes a teaching job out in um, wherever the fuck because he originally they're originally from New York. Um, so he takes a job somewhere else. Uh, he's a conductor, by the way. 
um, random, random job. Yeah, he's a symphony conductor. Yeah, the uh, and, and composer as well. Yeah, and so composer. You yeah, know, yeah, sorry. So they sort of like alluding that he's you know he's this special genius or whatever. Um, and that's where we that's where we pick up. And I got to tell you, through most of this film, and I, I can sort of understand it, but after that tragic opening, nothing really seems to phase this guy. If you really notice, because like as soon as okay. as soon as okay. the fucked up shit starts in this uh, decrepit mansion that he rents out, um, this tells you the differences in property values from New York to pretty much everywhere everywhere else in this country is just like yeah i'm gonna rent a mansion on a teacher's salary you know so <laughs> no but he but i mean like it according to the movie he's like a almost a he's a retired it seems like he's they're they're alluding to the fact that he's a retired uh like world-renowned composer who is who has taken up teaching so I feel like that I can believe, and that also kind of explains to me the young wife, because uh, he's just like you know, ah, I'm an old man. I should have you know. I, I keep thinking about him in the the fucking uh, as a Colonel, as what what was his name? Uh, not Colonel Ripper, in uh, in Doctor Strangelove. Who was he in in, in Doctor Strangelove? I forgot, I forgot. Oh I God, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm going to make you Mrs. You know, so-and-so. And, you know, I'll be back before you can say blast off. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> no, uh, that made sense to me. But you point out a very glaring flaw in the movie. Which, um, despite the fact that I thought the movie overall. Like, I think I liked it way more than you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that the movie is very spooky and there are many elements to uh, towards uh, towards which I thought were horrifying and kind of really got under my skin the fact that he is like like relentlessly brave <laughs> like he he does things where I would I would just be like oh shit I'm getting the fuck out of here like there, there's no sen- there's no sense of fear in him you know <laughs> There's no he's, he he's just like you know what I'm just gonna explore this this spooky you know attic and uh, <laughs> I, I'm just more annoyed by the noises that are going on this ah you know <laughs> oh watch your voice man you just you already strained it with the kids this weekend <laughs> I gotta lay off the you know the, the, the chewing gum and smoking cigarettes at the same time. <laughs> George C. Scott, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, he he doesn't seem that w- that was the one glaring flaw in the movie that it never seemed like he f- was felt any danger, even though mm-hmm. his life was in danger, mo- like most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I think. Perhaps there's uh, some sort of unspoken secret subplot where he didn't really move out there to teach. He just wanted to find a nice big mansion to like hang himself in. Yeah, there could be that. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, when you're when you're uh, when you've lost all hope for life, it's like what else? What else can anybody or anything do to you? It's just like ghosts, whatever the fuck. You know. I mean, when he went upstairs and found like. 
and figured out that some room had been boarded up and turned into like a makeshift mini closet and started just tearing the boards off the wall. I was just like, first of all, uh, for a man his age, he's really fucking strong. <laughs> um, True. And then he walks into this like spider web uh, written room um, pick, picking up old manuscripts and he's just like, huh, huh. Nothing suspicious about this place. Uh, but he just, he, he's just, he was just going through the motions. Yeah. Would you, like, I don't know. I felt like there was a conscious decision by George C. Scott not to be phased by anything. Mm. Um, but I, I, I think that that plays at odds with the spooky atmosphere of the movie because the movie demands that you're just like, ooh, this like, just by the visuals alone, it's like this mm-hmm. gothic mansion, and then the uh, uh, the noises, the clanging noises that are going on upstairs, and the spooky shit that goes on, and that thing that that uh, that whole uh, scene that happens with the bouncing ball, right? Mm-hmm. It. It all suggests that this shit is like it, it puts like it, it it crawls underneath your skin and like you know and stays there. But never did George C. Scott ever exhibit that kind of fear. Hmm. Like he's he's just kind of just stone faced and like mildly annoyed by the supernatural <laughs> goings on. Uh, the super- for me, like, for me, that can, was he, the problem. That he, yeah, he considers it shenanigans. It's like, you know, like, it's like, it's just like, are there fucking kids playing around in this mansion that I'm renting? Like he, goddamn he, um, ghost kids. Go- <laughs> it's just like, but with, with any horror movie, you're, you are following along the story with whoever the main character is and their, emotion or their tension becomes your tension for him he was just annoyed and i was just like uh nothing really scary in this film like when he was speaking to the um to the groundskeeper and uh in a very brief scene where he explained to him it's just like it's an old house it makes noise you know uh maybe the furnace this then the other and i thought and i thought to myself you know what it's probably that even though i know better even though i know the title of this movie is you know the changeling i'm just like you know maybe it's not Maybe it's not a ghost story at all. Maybe it's just a creaky house and an old man losing his mind. Yeah, there's th- there's that too. Like he's overcome with grief at the loss of losing his wife and child. That like it's just this this superman supernatural manifestation uh, coming to haunt him. But it's actually generated by his mind. But there are supernatural things going on. Like it like when the when the mystery of the whole place starts to unravel. Mm-hmm. It does really kind of it does suggest that like it's it's not in his mind because at first the movie does play with that. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, you know what it is? You know what it is with George C. Scott and the way he acts in this movie? He acts as if he's in a detective movie of the week. Like he's in, he's in like an episode <laughs> of fucking Matlock or Columbo where he's just like, yeah, I got to get to the bottom of this mystery, you know, Um <laughs> You know, Detective Hemroid investigates the spooky house, you know? Uh, so. Very true. Very, very true. So, um, I, yeah, that's that's what throws me about the movie. Other than that, it does, like, I did really love the visuals. I did really love the spooky atmosphere. I loved the house. I loved everything about it. Um, oh, yeah. I, you know, I would I would stay in that house, no problem. Like, I, if it is, as big and 
empty as it is, like it was the architecture was beautiful, the way it was put together. I was just like, this would be an interesting place to explore and photograph. But um, in regards to in regards to spookiness, the, these were low level apparitions, you know, not very not particularly violent um, there. I think the height of their scariness was perhaps the wheelchair that chased poor uh, Claire Norman. Um, oh, at a certain place like she is she is forever traumatized by wheelchairs from now on she can't she can never walk by a hospital and see a wheelchair no. yeah no of course not i really she thought sees... so... sorry, oh, go sorry go ahead no go ahead you go ahead. Uh, i really thought something was going to pop off between claire and john at a certain point but they they never went there no 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 again their decisions in this movie where I, I completely respect that. That was one of the decisions that I was like, I respect that. I respect that. Like there's no, there's no need for a, a love interest in this movie. And I'm glad that it, it that it s- sticks that landing, but it does feel like George C. Scott is in a different movie than everyone else. So, <laughs> um, but I'll also agree with you. Like, yeah, she's, she's definitely traumatized by wheelchairs, anything wheeled, you know, um, <laughs> You know, she sees like you know people pushing around dinner carts. She like ah! diarrhea, and then you know, <laughs> Just, oh my god, then she has to go home and change. And oh she man, she's like, oh my god, now I have to wear rubber pants for the rest of my life just because the society runs on wheels in the twentieth <laughs> century. Ah, you know, I have to say that Melvin Douglas as Senator Carmichael is has to have been the archetype for Mister Burns. Um. Yes. <laughs> just his whole style, uh, his his rich evilness. <laughs> just uh, that. I think that's what Mr. Burns was uh, based on. Yeah, I I do agree with you there. Um, he was a bastard. Um, and so <laughs> like, I mean. I, I don't know. I, I think he was played very like with kind of like a, a, a old school hamminess uh, <laughs> for like a stomach, a, 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 a mustache twirling, you know, kind of villain mm-hmm. was like, yeah, you can't prove anything. George C. Scott, you know, <laughs> and George C. Scott is like, I'm on to you, <sighs> you know, and his whole emotional breakdown when uh, George C. Scott basically said, you know, your father ain't shit. He killed that boy. Oh, um, yeah, let's just uh, face this part of the movie. They drowned a kid in this fucking film. I've never, yeah. I did not expect that. I really did not expect that. If there's anything about this movie that really caught me by surprise and made me go, oh my God, it was that fucking scene. He drowned, not just a kid, a crippled kid yeah. in a bathtub. Wow. They, they killed a disabled kid in the bathtub and then they re- replaced him with like some kid from an orphanage. I was just like, Damn, that's fucking cold blooded. <laughs> um, but uh, but it 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 that also took me by surprise. That whole plot twist, um, and then that kind of explains the clanging noise because that's the noise he was making when he died. When he died, mm-hmm. uh, and it it's ch- that that the, this whole that whole subplot is chilling, but. Again, it's still it's all thrown off by this weird acting choice of of George C. Scott um, <laughs> to to which, you know, um, 
you know, it, I I don't know. I I I still think as as an overall haunted house movie, I think the Changeling is highly influential. Like if we talk about the Conjuring, we can't talk about the Conjuring without talking about the Changeling, because there are shots from the Changeling that are in the Conjuring. Especially, did you notice in both of these movies have a bouncing ball scene? Oh, that's true. That's very um, true. It's one of what did, what did you think of the, about that bouncing ball scene? Because that's the that's the scene to me that kind of that that played most with my emotions. I um, it it, it was definitely well shot. I'll say that. But again, it hi- <laughs> it, it it highlights something to me that um was also frustrating because it was recalling the death of his uh, of his wife and daughter or son i can't even remember that's how unimportant yeah. they were Dude, and they then were, and then like to recall them a cameo appearance <laughs> like and, then and t- a cameo appearance by his son and daughter you know his son <laughs> and his wife you know and then to recall them with the bouncing ball it's just like but they don't really have any significance. It's just like they died. And so now is the ball haunted? Like, or is it, or is the ball being influenced by the ghost in the house? Like, you know, que significa? <laughs> I, I think that, um, bueno, si, si puedo uh, uh, recordarme de co- como empezó toda esa shenanigans con la pelota. <laughs> <laughs> things i i think that um the ghost was trying to is trying to fuck with him because the whole time the the thing damn if only they got a better act like it george c scott is a better actor he's george c scott is a great actor but he has he has to be in certain roles he -hmm. plays the role of a grizzled tough guy right uh uh you know a detective on the edge you know he's not like some like you know, grief-stricken composer. That's not him. Like, you get somebody like who would have been like perfect for this role. Hmm. Uh, that's 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 a tough one to like. Don Amici. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking Rodney Dangerfield. Um, <laughs> Don Knotts. <laughs> Don Knotts. Like what? You know. <laughs> I think Rodney Dangerfield would have killed it. Just been like, hey, I get no supernatural respect. You You got a bouncing ball. I wish I had some bouncing titties, you know. (laughs) Rodney Dangerfield in his breakout role. (laughs) The changeling, you know. (laughs) Hey. Hey, all you sp- supernatural spooks and demons! We're all gonna get laid. You know, <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. This is so, so fucking hacky. Uh, I would have made the movie better, though. I'll tell you that, because uh, as, as however as influential as the changing might be to you know future horror films, um, I just didn't feel like it was a a well put together movie. Like at a certain point, I was just like. All right, get to the point. You figured out that there was a murder. You're connecting it to this fucking senator. Um, right, right, right. You know, like, just, just get to it. Just get somebody either either smash Claire Norman 
or you know bring the senator to justice something just something yeah. you know so oh the music uh, and the music box oh no see, fucking all point that, all, all that stuff all that stuff that you're talking all that stuff that you're complaining about i loved it i loved it but again i just didn't like the actor that was behind it like what the scene with the ball i know what the mo- what the movie was trying to say the movie was trying to say that like you know george c scott's character is like uh grief stricken the ghost is playing on this fear uh, on this grief of his and it's fucking with him right it mm-hmm. it just fucks it like it decides it's like Oh, you know, you're plagued with grief. How about, you know, I keep reminding you of the family that you've lost because it's it. The movie is about loss. It's about mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, you know, the 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 loss of this kid's life, uh, how his relationship is with his father, you know, or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that's 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 what I gleaned from it. But again, it's like. It's just it just should have been with a different actor. Um, yeah, Maybe, it just should have been with a different actor. So <laughs> it's just it's just that when Senator it's like they I think they tried to hit some sort of uh, crescendo with Senator Carmichael's like when Senator Carmichael went full Kavanaugh at the end and he was just like, my father was a great man. And <laughs> How dare you? I was just like, where's this where's this coming from? Like you literally you know, and then he um then he started staring into that little necklace that uh John Russell brought him and somehow that transported him to the house and the house caught fire. I'm just like, none of this none of this is connected. First of all, if you if you are this changeling, if the senator was the kid who was switched out and now he's figuring out that his father was an asshole then why you know why is he made the bad guy if anything he's the victim that's true yeah that that's that's also true you know i don't know for all look for all its flaws um for all its it's uh you know its story flaws i think it's like immaculately shot I think it's it's um, it's it really knows how to build tension, and I know you probably don't feel this, but like all the all the shots of like you know, uh, like the the darkness of the hallways and like looking up in, into nothing but darkness, like looking up a staircase and like it just fades off into darkness and stuff. The movie really played up on that, and mm. I I couldn't help but. Um, be taken with that with with the way that it, it was with the way that it was directed the with the way that it was shot so um i was willing to overlook some of the story flaws but you know it's it's not it doesn't that's i'm still you know hinting at the fact that like yeah it has flaws and uh and i don't know i i definitely liked it more than you did i, <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I feel like i'm i feel like i'm sw- like i'm covered in flop sweat trying to like fucking defend this movie <laughs> but uh i guess yeah. i guess you know i guess this is what um sophisticated horror passed for in the 1980 so yeah i guess so yeah um Quick question. Do you think this movie deserves to be remade? 
Uh, yeah, I do. Um, it could do with some serious rewriting um, and more nuanced acting. Not, not please, no more crotchety old George C. Scott style, but um, <laughs> and perhaps some more. Um, and this is and this is something that I completely usually uh, try to avoid. But if we can somehow establish a better connection between our main character and the family that he's lost um, so that we can feel some of this character's motivation because they were literally in the movie for all of five minutes. And it's just like, oh, you know, he lost a family. First of all, super young wife and super young kid. Uh, if you could swing that once, you can do it again. So, you know, just go out there, you know, but show off some of your music, get yourself another uh, trophy wife and uh, keep it moving. <laughs> keep it moving, pops. Keep, keep you, know? Moving. <laughs> you know who would have knocked this out of the park? Fucking Brian Cranston. Right. Yes. Brian Cranston. Yes. If they yes. would remake this movie, they would remake it with Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston would knock it out of the park. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and then who do we cast as his wife and child? You know, uh, <laughs> um, Christina Applegate and the <laughs> the little girl from Stranger Things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Enola Holmes. Right there, you go. Uh, <laughs> I'm Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancillo. Together we are Robots, Robots versus, versus Taxes. And uh, I just want to let all of you people know that we are on iTunes, Spotify, and Google uh, Podcasts. Google Podcasts, yes. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> fucking this up. Uh, but yeah, please, um, if you're on iTunes, write us a review. Tell us how lovely our show is and how enamored you are with our voices. Or perhaps how offended you are. We want to hear from you. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, write us an email also. We're at robotsversustaxes at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. Is that good? That sounds good. Listen in. Yeah, thank you. Only on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, all right, so let's switch over to, um, the, to conjuring. the Conjuring. The yeah. Conjuring 2013. You and I went and saw this in the theater, didn't we? Yes, we did. And I... <laughs> you know what? I'm very susceptible to haunted house movies. Yeah, I think you have haunted uh, house movies. Uh, like you show me a movie like Ichi the Killer, and I won't bat an eye, right? <laughs> uh, you know, gore because gore is just like, oh, cool. I wonder how they made that effect of just like you know some guy getting split in half or like, you know, some guy <laughs> hanging by by his nutsack like from from a chain, you know. Um, and I'm just like, oh, cool, and then. You know, you show me a, a spooky house, uh, a haunted house movie, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, now I can't sleep. You're like looking for your rosary beads and shit. You're just like, ay, Dios mío, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, Santa Guadalupe, cuídame, you know. Which leads me to ask you, like, are you, do you consider yourself psychically open in a certain way? Like, you are, you, like, is that why you feel you are susceptible to these kinds of movies? Like, do you on some level 
uh, take this in and believe it? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I've, I've, I don't want to go into too many details, but like, you know, I, I've I've seen, I've experienced like one or two like occurrences where, you know, uh, I've felt some kind of supernatural presence. Mm -hmm. Um, oh my God, I'm going to, man. This show is gonna make me come come off sounding like a fucking lunatic. Where it's just like, oh, P- Pavel believes in ghosts. Do I believe in the supernatural? I guess. I mean, look, yes, I do. And you know what, Sabrina? You know, my wife makes fun of me for it. You make fun of me for it, and I'm okay with that. You know, uh, I'm okay with with you guys. You know, bullying me around, but yes, do I believe in the supernatural? Sure. <laughs> you know, for some reason, I would have pegged Sabrina as believing in the supernatural somehow. She does, but she doesn't like she, like you know what she's more f- afraid of now that I'm fucking outing my wife on fucking on this show. <laughs> um, she's more afraid of shit like fire in the sky. Like you show her shit like that's right. Kind fire in the sky. She's just like get stop talking. That's if right. You, if you don't want to sleep <laughs> on, on the fucking couch, or if you don't want me staying at my sister's, I'm you. I demand you stop speaking about alien presences. <laughs> While I'm around, you know, because <laughs> it just reminds me of the times when you know I I'm over and I'm and I'm talking about aliens. You know, I'm, I go into my whole alien conspiracy shit, and she just looks at me. She's just like, "Do you really believe that shit?" Like she's 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 trying to get me to shut the fuck up, and I'm just yeah, like, basically, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so yeah, that's her thing. Okay, so her thing is aliens. My thing is ghosts. So, boy, you know, every, man, everyone, everybody's got a something. So. So, you, so you guys must have not been able to handle of um, Final Fantasy, the spirits with it. Oh, God, because <laughs> it had alien ghosts in that movie. Um, Yeah, it was the perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see that movie as a testament to Satan in that. <laughs> in that. I, couldn't believe it was made so uh but yeah um so let's talk the conjuring the conjuring the the conjuring based on a true story by the way so extra spooky yes by a debunked like by a debunked true story about these two quacks fucking earl and lorraine warren who aren't who like if you do an if you do a quick Google search, you'll know that they're complete like frauds. Are they really? Um, were they were they yeah. busted on that? Yeah, they're like multiple accounts of like all their reports and their findings are like completely inconclusive, and it turns out that they falsified a bunch of shit. So they're a bunch they're they're two quacks, but still, you know, the movie in itself is an effective enough thriller, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, the one. The one glaring issue that I found with it is that if you move into a house that looks like that, you're going to be like, no, this is a pass because it looks like a haunted house. No, you go into into that like they those that that family moves into that house and then they're just like, you know, la la la. We like being alive, (laughs) you know, again, uh, 
that that song hasn't aged a day. So <laughs> they they move into that house, and that house is basically like it's already got blood on the walls. Like it's like you know, uh, at, at the wall. The the if you listen closely, the hall, the house is like get out. You know, um, so it's uh, look. To me, the house was just a fixer-upper. That's all. It was quaint. It's a fucking monster um, house. <laughs> it's got, it's got. I don't know, maybe, maybe in an acre, an acre and a half of uh, land surrounding it, which is, you know, pretty good deal. They probably yeah. got it. They probably got it dirt cheap. So, yeah. well, they got it in a bank auction. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. so it was uh, probably foreclosed on before. So they got it extra cheap, and uh, the value only increased because once they move in. Uh, they realized that instead of that one little room being just like a little utility closet, it was actually um, a boarded up stairway into the cellar. So, yeah, right. you know, instant value, a whole other story into an unfinished basement. Like yeah. you could do amazing things with that sort of house. Like it was, yeah. I, I would buy it. Yeah, it's located very close to a college campus. So, you know, it's like a up and coming, you know, it's an up and coming neighborhood. Yeah. It's a two family house with a very spacious, um, very spacious, you know, uh, you know, living room. It's got a kitchen. It's got two bathrooms. I mean, this, this, this is like, you know, and for a, a lower, you know, um, a, 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 actually a middle class family, uh, a middle class white family, you know, middle class white families can't walk away from equity. So they're not going to walk away from this house. Uh, so it's, you know, it, and yeah, they need, and they needed it, the space. The monsterism of the house is kind of like part of the fixer upper aspect. So it's like a handyman's dream, you know, and they needed the with space with regards to the supernatural. Right, right, exactly. And they needed the space because apparently this couple does nothing but fuck. They had like, what, seven kids? Yeah, they had like seven. Fucking! I was just like, "Does this?" And then they make allusions to the two of them fucking too. Like they're just like, as soon as like they settle in, and then like the the wife gets like a bruise on her shoulder, and she's like, "Did you do that?" He's like, "I don't remember doing that." I'm like, "God damn, motherfucker!" Like, but what if, kind of freaks are you? But you're right. You're totally right. Because the previous night, like just as they finished moving in, she's just like, "So, are you too tired to Christian?" Chris in the house and he's just like no I'm not and I'm just like oh here comes baby number eight now so yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like it's like this is this is probably a good reason why cable was invented so that people would have other things to do besides you know work and fuck yeah yeah it's like the I guess the ghosts are like the ghosts of the kids that they haven't had yet right so <laughs> you could have had me <laughs> <laughs> Two days from now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't finish on her back. Jeez, okay. <laughs> Oof. Um, but Lily Taylor, um, I always like seeing her in films because she she has this great uh like balance between wholesome uh wholesome wife, girlfriend, partner and uh, something a little more grounded in her that leads you to believe that uh, there's going to be a more intense performance later in the film. So and anytime I see her appear, appear in a film, I'm like, all right, she's going to get the job done. 
Uh, Ron Livingston, he's sort of not that. <laughs> he was. No. He was. He was just kind of. For me, he was just kind of there. He's just like the only part I really believed is that, you know, he's just this guy who's working and doing his best to keep a roof over his family's head. Right. But but he he had two modes, tired and I got to run and save my family. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't give him much to do. Like even it's at like- the- Sorry, I'm sorry. Please. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, like, I'll just finish this point. Even close to the end, where they're trying to pull the possession out of his wife, um, and uh, the Warrens are just like, "Talk to her. You know, we've got to, we've got to keep her from, you know, giving up." He's just like, "Honey, you got to fight it. You got to fight it. Think of the kids." And I'm just like, "You're not really." Yeah, he's he doesn't give like a full throated performance. Right? <laughs> well, he does, but it, it it's really, I don't know. It, there's something very like the, his delivery. I don't know. For some reason, I was reminded of Marty McFly when you know they're just like say something to her. You know, remind her of who she was. And I I halfway expected him to go like, you know, uh. On the night you go back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> On the night I go back, you're gonna get, you know, <laughs> you know, or something like, you know, you don't want to get struck by lightning. What? <laughs> you don't want to get struck by, you know. And then it's like, <laughs> then Ron Livingston gets stranded in the year 1955. <laughs> you know. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, I didn't know the the supernatural would send me on a wacky time travel adventure. <laughs> but uh does anybody die in this film by the way? No, they all come close to dying. No, I I thought I thought about that too. I was just like nobody dies in this movie. You know who I thought for sure was going to bite it? The cop? No, Drew. The assistant for, to, yes, to, to the wards. I, I thought, yeah, yeah, I was like, look at this young, fresh-faced guy. He is going to get his head chopped off. Young Asian d- dude, you know, usually people of color go and go first in these kinds of movies. So I was half expecting uh, the first time we saw it. I was half expecting that shotgun to go off, like, and turn his head into a <laughs> fucking, you know, bathtub. <laughs> oh shit, man! But. Uh, but they all survive, so you know. Spoiler yeah. warning. But I got to say, the the creepiness of the film was definitely. I definitely felt it. It was hitting. Um, the The little music box was far more effective than the music box in the Changeling, uh, with the spiral right. spiraling mirror. Um, I I did I did get pulled out of it for a second though because I thought to myself, what toy company would think that this is a good idea. <laughs> It, it, I mean, that's that's a, that's the major problem with it that I found is that it does feel like it's forcing this on you, you know, where it's like, you know, spooky like this instead of like being like this mundane music box, which I think would have been just as effective. They fucking paint a spiral on the on the, the mirror and they have this little, little creepy clown come up and I was just like, this is just. This is just it, it basically looks like one of the things that's in the basement in the cabin in the woods, right? <laughs> it's just made designed for like ghostly shit. 
Like it might as well have a warning. Like, do not press. You will see ghosts. You know. <laughs> oh, that'd be a great like TV commercial. It's just like, have hours of fun with the uh, clown mirror. <laughs> warning may contain ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> By Procter and Gamble, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I just felt like everything that was that looked like it was going to be like the creepy cellar looks like a creepy cellar in a haunted house. You know, the house itself looks like it's possessed. It looks like it's something like straight out of like the Amity, Amityville horror. It's like, you know, when the Simpsons move in, like you remember that first Halloween special when the Simpsons move into that house? Yes. And there's al- <laughs> as soon as they move in, there's already blood on the walls. And then they're just like, ooh, like, I guess the person that was here previously was just a creative artsy type, you know? <laughs> it's a nice house, though. I got it. I mean, I can't, I'm sorry. I, I just kept looking at the layout. And I'm just like, you know, with some elbow grease, um, maybe a few super soakers full of holy water. Uh, this could be a really, really great place. It's a handyman's dream. So exactly. that's that's that if you're a real estate agent, that's what you market it as. You know. <laughs> Couple of cases of holy water, boom. You know, demon be gone. <laughs> so But again, it it does like there are moments in this movie that felt cheap, like the room full of like haunted items. I, I uh. granted I know I granted <laughs> I know that that it that's actually I think that's actually a thing that the Warrens actually had uh. but I just don't and the whole thing with Annabelle I think it was just basically like that to me now it reeks of MCU kind of like, yes <laughs> it it does feel like this like oh there's this expanded universe and we don't want to know what happens when all those haunted talismans get together to fight uh, <laughs> I, I don't know dr doom <laughs> <laughs> yeah they really played it up at the beginning with annabelle it's like she can write notes um yeah and uh she's a good speller yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Walk around the house. She can get thrown in the garbage, but yet come back into the house. Like, all right, she's a she's a go getter. Yeah, I, and I'm just like that's that's exactly the scene in in the Changeling when he throws the, when he like runs off and he throws the ball into the river and then he comes back and the ball comes bouncing down the staircase. It's like it's the same shit. It's just you know, um, except with the doll that gets thrown into like a. a Fuck, there's so many Simpsons references that I keep thinking of. <laughs> um, it's just that little crusty doll. <laughs> where they throw where they where Homer throws him in a bag with his dirty socks. It's like, you think these socks are gonna keep me from killing you? Well, they are making me dizzy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So I I don't know I just I just can't get over the fact that like it's it does play fast and loose with the expanded universe shit. Hmm. Well, like you it's know. the you know it's the Annabelle haunt the Conjuring universe I think that's what they call it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know they well did they try to attempt that before the MCU was established or after? 
Um, well, this came out in 2013, so I guess they they saw what Marvel was doing um, since 2008, and they were just like, "Hey, let's do that, but for horror." <laughs> Thank you for for the exact pronunciation of horror. Um, <laughs> Many people don't know that's how you that's how you say it. Yeah, they, yeah, you you say it like you're you're a barking dog, like a dog that's like very. <laughs> very low key about being a dog. It's horror, you know. <laughs> oh, it was it's very, like, it was very tragic with the dog at the beginning of this film. Like again, it's like, but it was almost insignificant. It's like they could have chosen some other way to to show that. Oh, there are spirits here that are violent. You know, this poor dog was just like, yeah, no, I'm not going in this house. It was like, come on, boy, what's what's the problem? Come in. He's just like, nah, Chad, I'm not going in this fucking house like you know look i'm a dog in a horror movie i know how this goes <laughs> so let's get this over with you know <laughs> arf arf and such <laughs> what Fuck, if the dog man. yeah I'd... you know what if the dog didn't die from supernatural causes what if they just forgot to feed it and it just died by the by the side of the house Oh, that's even more sad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> it had to have been ghosts. I mean, like, that dog looked like it had, like, a bright future in front of it. It's about to make pension, you know, for being a dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it just bought a boat and it's <sighs> christened it the live forever. I mean... <laughs> That dog had a whole bright future in front of it, you know, oh, and and man. then it's just tragically cut short through, you know, supernatural shenanigans once again. So as as it as it goes. Yeah, as it goes, you know, um, so <laughs> <laughs> with regards to these two movies. All right, let's let's get to the let's get to the matchup part, man. Yes, let's yes. do it. Uh, so, um. I guess, what do we do? Do we do, because um, I'm just like, is it George C., if we switch the universes, like George C. Scott in the Conjuring universe? Yes. And, and the, the Warrens in that mansion? Well, since the Warrens, since you kind of um, established that the Warrens are nothing but frauds, um, I'm more hesitant in terms of speaking, uh, sticking them into the the changeling i'm imagining more of the perones uh right in that mansion so um in regards to what's his name Uh, george c scott in the conjuring he would be so unimpressed with the violence going on in this little house that the ghosts would just get bored of him and would probably (laughs) they would probably leave they're just like no matter what we do to this guy he doesn't react he just he just goes back to sleep and and he just shits (laughs) he has painful shits which is (laughs) uncomfortable to listen to and we're ghosts so we're trapped in here with him (laughs) till he dies and then he's haunting it with us you know it's like ah so you were the guys that were keeping me up all night God, and they're like, dude, get a colonoscopy. Something's going on with you, you know. I have ghost hemorrhoids, you know. (laughs) 
What are you talking about? I eat steak every night. Um, I'm about to have a coronary, you know. And in regards to the uh, the Perones um, in the Changeling, uh, I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's nothing happening in the house in that mansion that would alarm them enough since they have seven children who are constantly interacting and making noise. So it would just fade into the background for them. And since they have all that space, they'd produce at least another seven children within four yeah. years, within four years. <laughs> so they live happily yeah, after, after happily. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was that again? What was that? Uh, they would live, <laughs> they would live happily ever after in that big all ass, right. in that big ass mansion. You're such a jerk. You know that? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You made fun of me before for believing in the supernatural. I believe I deserve one. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, I'm, a, I'm I am I am um these the watching both these movies back to back it, it i am spooked a little bit i am i am a little you know i I, just, I don't know what it is about these haunted house movies but they do get under my skin so you know <sighs> as if i don't as if i don't have enough to worry about now i got to worry about fucking invisible bullies <laughs> And if these the uh, world is bad enough now, now the bully's got to be invisible too. Uh, imagine if they had COVID, you'd be, whew, that'd be one. Fuck yeah, dude! That'd be one scary film, you know. <coughs> <coughs> and I'd be like, get an exam. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a mask. <laughs> um. Speaking of things you shouldn't forget, don't forget to vote. Uh, yes, yes. Dear listeners. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that's where we should cap this episode. What do you think? Yes, yes. So uh, from both of us here, I'm Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. All those, all those George C. Scott impressions really took it out of me. <laughs> so, so while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week. Talk of the town 